0: Hello and welcome to the Outside and Active podcast. My name is Dom and I'll be playing host to conversations tailored for those who love the outdoors. Thank you for joining me on this adventure where I speak to a whole host of interesting guests with inspiring stories. For our next stop on this adventure, we are joined by former Olympian Sally Gunnell, who remains the only woman ever to hold four major track titles concurrently, the Olympic, World, European and Commonwealth titles. She joins me this week to talk through journey that took her to that pinnacle alongside her life after competing. Sally's the Essex girl who captured the hearts of the nation. Even after she blew the chance to win the world championship in 1991, she stormed back to win Olympic gold in 1992 and defied incredible odds to become world champion in 1993, setting a new world record in the process. Her passion for health and well-being was a key component of her athletic success, She took her knowledge and experience into the printed world writing four influential books on the subject and today mixes keynote speaking and running corporate well-being programmes. In this week's episode of the podcast, we learn about Sally's grit and determination that took her from an active youngster to the most dominant female in her discipline. Sally also chats about her work since leaving professional athletics and her pure passion for health and well-being. Due to a couple of technical difficulties, Sally was tuning into this podcast recording from her phone, so that's why the quality sounds a bit different in this week's episode, but I promise it does not detract from the fantastic conversation that we had with Sally. We are delighted to be working with eGlove, who are sponsoring this episode of the Outside and Active podcast. eGlove's performance and sports specific smartphone gloves have been developed with complete focus on the end user. Whether your sport of choice is horse riding, running, hiking, or simply walking to work, their technically superior touchscreen gloves allow for full movement, keep your hands warm and dry, enable you to grip reins or handlebars securely, and still mean you can call, text or tweet via mobile whilst you're wearing them. We are helping you prepare for the cold months by offering a special 10% discount on eGlove products when you use the code OANDA10 at checkout. That is the Ampersand, and you can browse the full range and make the most of this special discount by heading to www.eglove.co.uk. And with that, let's get straight into this week's episode. Hello everyone, welcome back to the Outside and Active podcast. I'm very happy today to be joined by Sally Gunnell. Sally, hello, how are you?
1: I'm very well, thank you. Yeah, just watching this rain coming in and out. I know. It winter's here.
0: it's not not summer anymore it's not summer anymore that's for sure um we're going to start this podcast off with um something that we've been doing quite recently and it's a piece of advice from a previous guest that they are offering to you and they don't know it was you and uh, i'd be interested to to get a comment on it so the the piece of advice for you this week is from uh, the previous podcast guest which is jay worthy who is an adventurer, a businessman, and, and he really preaches to stress less and live more. And his piece of advice for you is, can you spend five minutes of your day outdoors, free from distraction? And if so, what effect would this have on your life?
1: Oh, it, um, it's massive. It's something I do. <laughs> I have to get outside um and yeah and even if it is just five minutes I would just stand there I did it this morning listen to the birds just yeah take some deep breaths and feel a lot better
0: and speaking of the outside what do you love about being outside and active
1: I guess being outside has always been part of my life I grew up on a a farm so uh we've Blade on the on the on the farm up the fields from right at a young age and um I know when I sort of you know got off first flat you know I was a bit like oh get me out I need I just needed to be outside so I think it's been an important part of my whole life but probably more now than than ever I don't know whether it's an age thing that you sort of appreciate it a little bit more but yeah I just I think it I think also it. You know how exercise changes for you um you know exercise to me is, is much more around you know your, my mental health and i guess that is, is about being outside and um yeah living in the now and just appreciating what we what we have around us so i think that's yeah i think that's why it's so important for me every day i have to get outside at some point even if i'm in a busy city i'll still get up at lunchtime and, and, and you know or find five, five ten minutes just to walk around
0: what's your earliest memory of competing in sport
1: i say that again sorry what's your
0: earliest memory in competing in sport or taking part in sport
1: oh gosh um my earliest memory is probably um do you know what i was five years old and i, and I won a sports day at and won an orange ball and I just really remember thinking wow I can run fast and you get a prize at the end of it and um and I think that's yeah that was one of the reasons I found something that I was really good at and that I loved
0: and was hurdles always your sport or did you try a lot of other other a lot of other things within athletics outside of athletics and land on hurdles
1: yeah, it was a little bit like that. I sort of started, I joined a club when I was 12, Essex six ladies. Um, I started off as a long jumper, had the sort of natural spring, used to be called grasshopper. Um, and then I got spotted by my coach, Bruce Longdon when I was 14. And he sort of trained multi-events. So we started doing, you know, the heptathlon, which is like seven events and, and things like that. So I had to do shot and javelin and hurdles as part of that. Um, and then I was okay at that, but I wasn't brilliant. And then we sort of specialised in the hundred hurdles, um, won a Commonwealth, and realised that I wanted—I wasn't good enough just to—I wasn't good enough just, you know, to win in the Commonwealth. I wanted more. I wanted to be the, the ranked in the top in the world. you know what I mean? And that the, the hundred hurdles was, you know, it was quite a tough one event. So that's when I changed to the four hundred hurdles. So I've had a few events in my day. <laughs> <laughs>
0: And what was your mindset when you were young? Obviously, now you've said being outside and active is great for your mental health. But when you were younger, was it just the pure enjoyment or did you have a competitive streak in you?
1: Um, I think I was definitely competitive. Um, You know, I like to to win at lots of things. I think that was having two older brothers and and that sort of side of it. But I always, yeah, I, I didn't have the sort of, the mental strength that I had to find later on in my career almost. I, I was always, I would sort of still put myself down a bit. I think when, if I was running or doing things sport, this sort of competitive edge would come out, but I could easily quite talk myself out of it almost beforehand in, in a certain sort of way. So it was that that sort of belief, really, that sort of mental side of things that I had to really sort of, yeah, learn over the years.
0: And And how do you go from being a young girl growing up in Essex enjoying your athletics starting to find that you're good at it to then becoming the only woman to hold four track titles at the same time
1: yeah I mean I still ask myself that how did I do it because I know how hard it is my husband coaches so it's uh, you know it's yeah I don't know I think there was you know lots of things that created who I was on the way Um, I think very supportive parents I think growing up on the farm you know, being competitive with two older brothers, um, having a great coach, um, I had a good work ethic, you know, I saw my dad on the farm, you know, work hard, so I had a good work ethic, but I also had, you know, things that I learned of disappointments and setbacks, and yeah, you know, I don't know the jobs that I had to take to get there, and Ask for support, all those sorts of things. Was, was like a massive sort of journey. And um I think that the thing at the end of the day is that I loved what I did. And I, I, I always was, I was never challenged by the money or the fame. It was just about how good I could actually be myself. I think that's what got me to where I was at the end of the day.
0: Was there a point where you realised I'm not just good at this? Or someone identified this. I'm not just good at what I'm doing. This could be. I could be one of the best at what I'm doing.
1: Yeah, I think I think that was something that my coach sort of installed me right from 14. You know, it was a you know it was a slow stepping stone and patience almost. But you know, I had some talent and I could be good. But it's it's a lot of people with talent, but it's transferring it into into the big one almost and I guess it was probably only four years out from um, Barcelona and winning that Olympics that I sort of thought maybe I could actually do this and you know started to have a a little bit more belief in in my own ability and what I could do.
0: Just before Barcelona you were in Tokyo for the world championships in 1991 and uh, correct me if I'm wrong but you recorded the third fastest time of all time but it it wasn't It wasn't gold. Were you going into that thinking, I'm only going for gold? And if so, what were your emotions after that race?
1: No, I actually went in it thinking I wanted to get a medal because it was, um, you know, the first sort of major championships that I had a chance of sort of getting a medal. And, and I actually, yeah, I, I sort of thought, oh, if I can get a medal now, then maybe that would set me up for the Olympics. That's how my thought was. And then when you know, I was in the lead and I made a mistake um, and then realized I was second and I could have actually won. And I just thought, oh, I might never get that chance again. And um, and I think that made me realize that, you know, you shouldn't, you know, you need to take the opportunity and, and when it comes, but also the opportunity. What let me down was just that self-belief and, um, you know, it wasn't training, it wasn't I had no other excuses apart from just myself and I wasn't focusing what I had to do. I hadn't, you know, I hadn't executed what I needed to do. I was still, you know, there was lots of out, outside things that were just, still distracting me during the race and, yeah, and in my head and all sorts.
0: So it was, a, it was a strong start, but what what was it that went wrong? Was it those all those outside distractions that just caught up?
1: Yeah, thank you. There's my tea. Um, yeah, I think it was... Um, yeah, I mean, I, I was in the lead and then I thought, thought oh, gosh, I could win there. And then, you know, little negative thoughts would come in and then I thought, God, someone really good next to me. She'd won, I don't know, a, I know a race a couple of years ago that I should have won. It was all those sorts of things of allowing distractions in and not focusing and, ex- you know, and executing what I had to do. And then I stuttered and I wasn't thinking about the stride pattern, all those sorts of things. So I knew that, You know, I couldn't do that again. So I think that's where, you know, we worked very much on visualization, um, you know, having a a plan, um, you know, keeping to that and yeah, and blocking out all those things around me. And I think once you know what that plan is and you know how it's going to feel and you've done that visualization every day for probably 12 months beforehand, then it becomes a very powerful tool almost and, and just. You know, just knowing, not you know, not letting any negatives come into your head. You know, and just saying, you know, I'm just as good as these girls, and you know, I've worked hard, I've trained hard, and I deserve it. You know, that was part of it. Was you know, do I deserve it? Almost, you know, what does that mean? (laughs) So it was about saying, yeah, you do, and you know, you're just as good as everybody else. Stop putting yourself down. So once I'd got that mentality, and literally, that just was. Something I worked on that that year before Barcelona. You know, it's a it's a massive tool and something that helps me and you know in so much that I do.
0: It's really interesting yeah. hearing you talk about that, and amazing that all of those those negative thoughts creep in within sort of seconds. It takes seconds for that to kind of the, your mental state to uh, take an effect on your physical state. And interesting that, like you said, the the year then leading up to Barcelona, your focus was on. That positive reinforcement and the belief that you should be there and can be there, because physically and and ability wise, you you were good enough to be there, and and you proved that a year later in Barcelona. Do you feel like there was more pressure going into that games because of the year before, or did you feel almost ready for it? Um, I
1: guess, but for Barcelona, now I, I sort of felt like I knew I was in the best shape of my life, and I knew sort of knew that this was a massive opportunity and I'd worked on a lot of things and um, and I think lots of people thought I could still get a medal but I don't think anybody really thought I was capable of getting the gold. So I think, um, yeah, I think I was fine on that. The hardest year was the following which was that world championships and um, where that pressure is on and all of a sudden you are the favourite and you're the one that everybody Wants to beat, and you're know, the Olympic final, you know, you're the Olympic gold medal, and all those sorts of things. And that was really hard. And I think, again, to, to, to you know, that was a mental game again of just saying, you know what, it doesn't just go away. And, um, you know, you are just as long as you train hard, and, you know, you're only ever as good as your last race, which is fine, but so you still can't take things for granted. And you've got to train hard and you've got to make sure you're doing all the bits that you did exactly the same and um, and to keep that positive sort of mindset again. And yeah, I mean, it's very easy, isn't it? I always say in anything we do, you know, if we're doing a park run on a, a Saturday morning, you know, that, that if you stand on the line and you go, oh my God, there's so many people here and I'm going to be at the back and, uh, you know, I haven't trained very well. But, you know, you've talked yourself out of it. So you know, just to have that positive mindset again helped me when that real pressure was on on that World Championships and just yeah, just kept finding those positive words to feed into there.
0: So that feeling in '93 in Germany when you crossed the line and knew that you'd you'd broken the world record, correct? It was it was yeah yes. yeah. What were your emotions then? Because it had been obviously going from '91 uh, of maybe not exactly where you wanted to be but it was you know it was still a a medal to then Barcelona and then reinforcing it again in Germany we did you just feel like you were on cloud nine somebody pinched me or was it or was it kind of a realization of hard work
1: no do you know it was it was a bit of relief (laughs) I think it was it was very different I think you know Barcelona was just like unbelievable and out of this world and and there was a lot of pressure on me. And I think it, I felt like it was just relief almost that I'd done it and that it was still there. And then, you know, I hadn't even dreamt about or even thought about the world record. That was just the, the added bonus. And I thought, yeah, I think it was the first time that I sort of felt like I'd really made it, you know, and um, which, you know, something that like you guess you sort of, you fight against, you know, for many years, being I was sort of. The only woman to win, obviously in Barcelona, but you felt like it was very male-dominated um, sport, and sport was in those days almost—you know, there wasn't that many successful. So you felt like you were always fighting against the guys, and they would get, you know, more pay or more recognition. But you, winning that world was the first time where I thought, yeah, I've actually, um, you know, broken through and got the recognition that you know you you, you deserve almost as a woman
0: and having all four at the same time those championships those wins do you feel like you're a class above the rest do you feel like you deserved to be different um uh, not different sorry to to have those championships and what what was it that made you stand out because you've spoken a lot about your mental resilience your mm-hmm. reinforcement and and envisaging winning do you think that was part of what made you stand out as, as well as your, your ability?
1: Yeah, I think winning those sort of championships, I, I don't think I really resonated with me until I sort of almost retired, really, because, um, you know, I think one of the hardest things is, is to keep competing at the top, time, you know, year after year. Um, and, you know, in, in those days, you know, Europeans was only ever four years, Commonwealth was four years, so it was, you know, Olympic four years. You know, there's a big cycle. Lots of things can go wrong in those sort of four years. So um, I think it was only when I retired that you sort of realised how hard that was to do almost. And um, you know, it was it was the medals that motivated me. It was you know being the best version I could be, and I, and I wanted to to win those gold medals that motivated me, and and then. To be able to stay at that top for a number of years and um, and achieve that was yeah because that's that's hard and once you start getting niggles and injuries towards the end that like, you know you realise how hard that piece is so to stay in one piece and 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 have that sort of magnificent sort of you know four or five years really was quite something.
0: How was your work life balance? Because I imagine that competing. in... That often and being that successful takes a lot of sacrifice.
1: Yeah, it does. And and I also again, I think it's not until you retire that you sort of go, oh, there's a whole new world out here that I didn't didn't realise existed because you are you're sort of um, you know you miss every wedding, every birthday. Um, you know you're away a lot training. Um, you know it's every thought of the day is you know what do I eat? How do I recover? all of those sorts of things. And, that's, yeah, yeah, and you become quite a selfish sort of person, really, because it is all about me, me, me. So I think sometimes it's not until you sort of walk away and you go, God, how did I do that? Because, you know, now there's like this whole world and it's like, wow, I can go skiing and I can do all these things that have sort of been bad. And I'm sort of pleased that I didn't realise that any earlier because I think it would have been quite hard because, you know what, it's quite fun out here. <laughs> and not that I would change any of it, uh, you know for the world because you know I I retired at you know 31 or whatever it was and you know I still had you know so much time to be able to do so many amazing things so yeah just very lucky. At what
0: point towards the end of your career did injury start to become a really impactful part of your performance?
1: Yeah I mean it was after those sort of four um really good years and then I got um it was a world champs year and I had had to miss through a uh, bone spur. I had an operation, and then you sort of trying to get back, and there was more niggles. And then being carried off the track in Atlanta, which, which was a low point, and then injuring myself the next year. And when I look back at those sort of three years, um, yeah, they were tough. And would I have done anything differently? I think I didn't have a brilliant mindset. When I was injured and I look at, you know, people like Kelly Holmes and Roger Black and people like that. And they were it was amazing how they had that mindset to keep coming back with injuries. And and why was that? Sometimes I look and think, Do you know, what? I was I just I'd won all four major championships and I was finding it hard to motivate myself to say, right, I want I want to, you know, retain my Olympic gold medal or I want more from it. You know, it wasn't. It wasn't doing what it needed to do almost, and, and maybe that, that was it really. and I suppose once you start thinking of retirement and you know had some great opportunities, it almost that's the time to do it, I always think so
0: it was, a hard- it, was a, it was obviously like you said difficult to let go, but it, it felt like the right time, obviously, if the injuries weren't there, it may have been different, but they were that was a reality, and you had other opportunities. What were those other opportunities that that you that you went into after competing?
1: Oh, gosh, all sorts. We had, you know, working for the BBC for 10 years at Trackside. Um, Yeah, we got involved in the gym from early days. Yeah, you just sort of do loads of different things and, um, you know, television programmes, you name it. And it was just, it was great. So, and you know, I wanted to have family and stuff. So I think I sort of had things in my mind and ready that sort of, Allowed me to, you know, to move on, which I think was really good. And, and I did. I felt very, you know, I, there wasn't anything in my career that I'd wished I'd done. You know, there wasn't like I hadn't won a world or a Europeans or, you know, there was one title missing or something. There was nothing that was really bringing me back into it. And I think, you know, it was it was just the right time almost. It'd
0: be interesting to know. Did you learn anything? once you made the switch to working for the BBC, doing TV stuff, sort of com- commentating punditry, did you learn something looking on it from that angle compared to when you were competing? Something about yourself or about the sport?
1: Yeah, I think, I think those first sort of few years of, of working and, you know, starting to do motivational speaking, all that is, I just learned to be yourself. Um, And I think in those early days of telly, you know, you'd watch people say, you try and be something that you're not. Um, And I think, you know, it's maybe something that comes with age as well. But I think the the biggest thing that I always say is that, you know, I wasn't myself for a few years. I was trying to be somebody else. And and I soon learned that you can only ever be yourself. And, you know, it's that whole thing about, you know, loving who you are and appreciating who you are first. And then the other things, come and I think that was
0: that yeah it took me a few years to understand that and how did you maintain being active did you maintain being active obviously that was a massive part of your life for so long was it difficult to then because obviously you don't have the same training routine and like you said Mm. the motivation had kind of gone differently but does the motivation then switch you're doing it more for you rather than for the competitive side of things
1: yeah, I mean, it changed overnight, and it's quite scary, but in a, I quite liked it because I could do what I wanted to do. That's what I loved, and I just, um, you know, I enjoyed going in the gym and doing what I wanted to do in there rather than following a program or someone telling you what you wanted to do. And If you wanted to go for a run, you could go for a really nice slow run. You could do whatever. I think I just loved – I knew I wanted to still exercise. I still – had to do that and and, you know and it's still part of my my life but it was just nice to have a choice of it you know what it's quite my brain today so I'll I'll just go and do a weight session inside and not have to go out and get wet or whatever it is so it was just lovely to have that choice of what you wanted to do which I thought was really good.
0: And just before we carry on talking about where your life is now and all the things that you've been doing since competing what what do you think is the biggest difference, or is there a massive difference between athletics competing in the nineties, the early nineties, mid nineties, and what athletics is today?
1: Um, yes and no. You know, I think I think the difference now is you know um, maybe athletics isn't as high profile as, as it used to be. Um, but I think that is because you know there's so many other sports now which are being showed on telly or whatever you know it was, it was very much you know it was much more high profile then so I think that was the difference. Um, I guess lottery funding but that's allowed um, more people to be full time athletes so I think that has helped in, in you know performances and, and getting people through and things like that but you know, at the same time, you know, I think it's all, you know, you've still got to train hard <laughs> and you've still got to put the work in. I guess the things I probably would have loved now is sort of, um, you know, much more on the medical side of it, how, you know, you just get sent off for your scan straight away where we would have had to wait sort of couple, you know, you'd have six months out injured before you'd even know what it is. And I know there's still often niggles that go on and bits and pieces, I've seen it. Mm. Um, but I, I, I sort of think there's much more around the, you know, the sports science sort of side of it, which would have, which would have benefited more for sure.
0: So health and well-being and the, the whole topic surrounding that is a, is a massive passion of yours. And it's a, and it's a big part of your world now. Why is that? And how do you embody that in your life now?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think that's just been a natural thing. It's funny because I was sort of doing a lot of uh my talks were very much around you know high performance and, and that side of it but the questions I was getting is you know people just wanting to know they wanted to be better versions of themselves they wanted to know how to get started in exercise they wanted to know around nutrition and, and just realising how much I'd learned from my running days and you know I was then now putting into my life of just you know being a mum and trying to balance work and Keep the weight off, trying to keep the stuff. But you know, just like everybody else now, and and realised that there was so much that I had learned from the team that were around me that that helped me get that gold medal, and um and just wanting to be able to share. And I think that's where it sort of developed. And and I think as I've got older, you know, you, you hit fifty, and you, and you're like, whoa, hang on a minute, you know, your your body's changing even more, and you know, and how you're adapting, and you know hopefully you know, I see my parents in their 90s but you know how important it is your mobility and your balance and what we can do now so that's sort of where it's all gone and, and it is just a, a natural sort of interest you know if I'm ever listening to a, a podcast it, it's normally around yeah health and well-being and aging yeah. and longevity and all those sorts of things that's what really interests me and and I find myself in a position that you can help and support so many other people and um yeah and it's nice to be able to do that for sure
0: well that's that brings me on nicely to what you're doing which is optimize your age which is something that you're doing with your husband as well and talk to me about what that is and how you look to help people with that platform
1: yeah and again that's sort of only been in the sort of last uh, 18 months really and and that's come from people asking me you know my knees are hurting you know I'm 55 can't do a squat my knees hurt have you got any advice you know it was that sort of thing or I'm not sleeping very well and um, you know and just having that interest so we've just sort of created a platform where uh, we, we talk to all the specialists out there we get information it's quite a personal thing you know from myself how I'm feeling how I'm aging myself um, and the changes to, you know, John as well, you know, incredible, you know, he took over one month and, and how many men really enjoyed that, you know, he was saying he was struggling because he, he wants to still be competitive on his bike, but, you know, his body's letting him down and how he, you know, trust how do you change that mindset? You know, it's just things that are, people are going, oh God, yeah, and, and it's just a vehicle for us to be able to help and share um, and to get some expert advice and be able to pass that on to people, so and just thoroughly enjoying it, you know I'm still learning, um and I think you know that's important at whatever age we are is to keep you know learning and asking questions and you know, and that's the side of it that I really enjoy.
0: I bet you've built an amazing community of people as well, they're sharing stories and and like you said, you're still learning about you know how that mentality changes can you see yourself being active for as long as you are
1: oh definitely and you know my exercise has changed now you know i'm doing a lot more weight you know body strength stuff than i ever used to do you know and it's um you know more than when i was probably competing but i know how important it is to to keep those muscles strong you know um bone health is something that's you know come into my mind now which I never used to and um you know and yes the cardio but I don't we don't I probably don't run as long and as far um as I used to so I'm learning to adapt and I'm learning to have more recovery days and you know just do yoga and pilates today which I never used to it was always about cardio it was always about you know with getting as much out and pushing yourself and i've really 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 changed and um and i think that's just again still learning what works and i'm sure that will still change as we as we get older but it's just yeah it's just been really interesting
0: well i've heard yoga and pilates are two of the best things you can do in terms of longevity being active and flexibility and general muscle yeah health as well and it's something that people have said to me you should stop doing it now because it will help you down and i'm terrible at stretching and all of that but it's something that will help you down 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 the road when you know when when you need to be a bit more flexible in your muscles to be a bit stronger
1: totally you know they're the bits that go isn't it you know our balance coordination all of those sorts of things and you know and and i think you're never too young to start or you know doing these things and um you know, and I think what, I've just literally come back from my class, my reformer class, and I think what it does, it does let me slow down, but it's still, you know, I always used to think you have to really work and be hard, but you know, it still gives you a good workout, but you're still stretching, and you're working your muscles at the same time, so I absolutely love it, and you know, and I see it's something that I can be doing, hopefully, you know, when I'm in my 70s, 80s, or whatever else, so yeah, really, really important, and I think it's important to to think about these things because it does catch up on you and if it is a part of life and a way of life in your 30s and 40s then you're more likely to carry on and you'll have the real benefits almost
0: and it's really interesting and important that you said it's never too late to start as well because for you yeah. you know you've always been active but now you're doing more weight stuff and more yoga and pilates and we've had mm. people on before that that haven't been as active in early life and now have hit their, like you said, spoken about 50s and 60s and gone, oh, I need to be a bit more active and active can be going to the gym, doing weights, doing Pilates and yoga and changing the way that you're active. Or it can be walking for 20 minutes a day, 30 minutes yeah. a day, which will help your mental and physical health. So I think it's it's important that there are so many different ways and it depends on you I think just the important thing is taking that step outside which can often be difficult especially like you said at the beginning when it's a bit rainy and a bit cold and a bit dark but there's certainly always an opportunity and it's yeah. never too late to start
1: and I do a lot of my thinking outside so if I've got to do a presentation or um, you know I'm not feeling good then you know I will go for a walk just take the dog for a walk and I just feel tons better when I get back even if it is just 20 minutes but it's a way of me sort of clearing my mind. You know, I remember my speeches by doing my walking and um, yeah, I think it is a bit of that whole indoor but just, you know, yeah, just appreciating what we have, even if it's just a quick walk down the street, you know, it does, it does have such a benefit on
0: you. Well, you're taking on a bit more than a 20 minute walk very soon. When you (laughs) head to Kenya, the climb for conservation, you're, you're celebrating the 30th anniversary of that gold medal. Tell me more about what this adventure and challenge is.
1: Yeah, I'm blaming my husband. He sort of, <laughs> uh, you know, we are sort of locked down. We're always trying to do a challenge each year. You know, I've, I've done one London marathon. I've done a few halves I've done, you know, ride London bike rides, cycle for South Downs. And it was like we hadn't done anything for a few years because of COVID. And it was like, right, what now? And and he sort of said that one of our first charities we worked with on I one was the Born Free Foundation. So let's go back. And, and and they just said, well, look, we just happen to be doing this climb up Mount Kenya. Um, would you be interested? And I was like, oh, I've never done it. Never done a climb. Never done anything at altitude at that height. Um, don't know what it's going to be like. So we've just spent the last, you know, and the bit I like is the build up to it. So it's... It just keeps me focused. And I always say to people, you know, if they want to get themselves fit, set yourself a chance. It doesn't have to be climbing up Mount Kenya, but it can just be as as ever big or small as yourself. But it it just made me think, right, okay, every Sunday we've gone out and we've walked from the South Downs and we've built up to sort of you know six or seven hours of walking we've had to do in the last sort of month. And um, I don't think I'll be doing that amount when I get back, but I've just really enjoyed it. And it's tough, it's mm. it's really physically very different to running, different joints hurt, um, my hips hurt loads, um, but it's been really good. And and that, that psyche of, you know, cause often I go, oh my God, I could have run 10 miles up here much quicker. But, you know, you're out there for longer because you're walking it. So I've had to really change that. Um, And I am a bit scared, and I think it's great, you know, as you get older or whatever, to still challenge yourself and, you know, have a few scary things in your life. I don't know what's going to happen next week, whether, you know, they say that people that are smokers, the big smokers, are better at doing the altitude because their lungs are used to straining it. So sometimes the fitter you are, the harder you find it and the reaction you have so something that's out of my control and and that's not that sort of that's not me I'm usually quite a controlling sort of person in that respect so it will be really good but um yeah getting nervous and that's gonna pack my bags in a minute
0: <laughs> and and why the wildlife um the, the wild animal protection charity where, where did that come into it
1: yeah i mean i I've, I've sort of two different charities each year uh always' had a passion for um for animals love i guess it's you know growing up on the farm um born free introduced us thirty years ago to um to their charity uh, and, and sort of like the fight to, to rescue a lot of animals from the zoos and circuses and we got really involved in that and did that for a number of years and we sort of moved away a bit and did other charity work and back home here um, and that's what we wanted to sort of revisit it. So. Um, it's the year of the lion and um, we're literally going to go out and see some of the work that they're doing out there and um, just around the sort of elephant corridors as well in Kenya and um, just some of the amazing work they do so yeah I think it's again you know it's it's just having different interests in your life and um, conservation is something that's always really been you know important to me as well so yeah
0: it's great and Kenya is a beautiful country as well so it's it's a it's a lovely place to be taking on that challenge and I'm sure there will be more challenges that come after that once you've got a taste of something different <laughs> but one step at a time obviously yeah and, and you'll be taking on the challenge like you said with your husband and I'm sure some other people and that's different to taking on the challenge of the, the 400 meter hurdles which is you know, as soon as you get onto that track that's that's a challenge that only you have control of but now you're doing it in a team is that Anything that you've considered or is that just part of what this challenge is?
1: Um, No, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. I like that idea of it. I think it was good that John and I wanted to do something together because so often he does a challenge or I'll go. So it's nice to do something together and we've done all the training. Um And also it's our 30th wedding anniversary when we're out there. So that's quite something. Um, and we're doing it with another couple of friends. And then there's about 18 of us in the group. So um it will be about yeah helping each other up there um and yeah I mean I I love I love the idea of you know supporting each other and I'm sure they'll be supporting me at some point for sure and and vice versa
0: (laughs) and when are you taking that on and where can people go to find out more about that challenge the charity and, and and how they can support you
1: yeah, it starts next week, which is, what, the 2nd of October. Uh, and if people want to go on to my website or social media, Sally Gunnell, they can see all the links um, in, uh, yeah, or just giving um, under Born Free and Sally Gunnell, it's there. So thank you very much.
0: That's right. Yes. Make sure to check that out. We will have that in the podcast notes and in the website article as well. Um, so please go and check that out. And and the final thing from you, Sally, is your piece of advice for our next podcast guest that I'll be able to pass on to them.
1: Gosh, um, my piece of advice is to, um, yeah, control that little voice in our head that we all have. Um, you know, it was it was a very big voice at times that stopped me from doing many things and um yeah, I just learned to be able to screw that voice up squash it and push it out. And um have you been able to squash that voice in your head and um and achieve the things that you really deserve to be able to achieve.
0: Sally, that's a fantastic point and piece of advice to end it on. I appreciate your time a lot and it's been a pleasure
1: lovely thank
0: you very much and that is the conversation that i had with sally i hope you enjoyed listening to the episode as much as i had fun recording it it was great fun to chat to sally hear about her experiences and i hope that you could take something from her life and her wisdom as well it's also great to hear that sally is still so passionate about health and well-being and that she's trying to pass her knowledge on to other people now As always, if you know someone that would enjoy this podcast and this series just as much as you, then make sure to forward it on to them so we can grow this community. And again, a massive thank you to eGlove for sponsoring this episode and last episode of the Outside and Active podcast. You can get your discounted gloves at eGlove.co.uk or use the code O&A10 at checkout. I will be back next week for another episode of the Outside and Active podcast, but until then, enjoy the outdoors.